Okay, turn to Revelation chapter 2. Now last week we talked about works. There were three things that Jesus said to all the churches. I know thy works, he that overcometh, and he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Of all the things that you see him saying to this church, that church, those three things are mentioned to each church and that shows some significance that he's emphasizing those three things to all the churches. Now, just to read one verse here related to last week and this week, verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. So, as we talked about last week, works are not to be our works. They are to be the works of God or the works of Christ. You will see that phrase in the New Testament occasionally. Uh, he was sick because of the work of Christ or, or whatever. Uh, but anyway, we are to be faithful to God in the work He has us do, regardless of how insignificant it may seem to you on a personal level, that's not what's important. Remember that Jesus said, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. He did not say much done. So it's not how much you do for the Lord. It's not all the works you do for the Lord. It's how you do them. So that we are to work the works that God gives us to work. And we are to work unto the end, it says here. Unto the end. Unto the end of what? Well, unto the end of that work, maybe. He may have us do a particular thing for a period of time, and that may change. Or it may not change, and that may be something that you're doing all your life, so that you need to do the works unto the end, meaning the end of your life. You know, some of us will be doing what we're doing till we die, hopefully. Till we die. But anyway, I want to talk tonight about overcoming and he that hath an ear to hear or hearing. Sometimes it's difficult to walk in this life and overcome the things that we have to overcome. Now I want to look at some scriptures because this is very interesting what Jesus says. He says to each church, as I said, he that overcometh. Now, what you see here, and we're just going to look at one verse pertaining to each church. What you see, what we're going to read, are the re or not it are, but is the result of, or could be the result of, their works or their overcoming. So he says. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. And you'll see the word overcome in various verses along with the word hear. And, and we'll look at that in a minute. But in chapter 2, verse 7, this is some of the results of overcoming. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So in, in that particular uh, verse pertaining to the church at Ephesus, he is saying the result of overcoming is that you will be able to eat of the tree of life. Now remember, he's talking about the church here. The church at Ephesus, the people were saved. So I thought they did eat of the tree of life. Well, they, they partook of life. This goes back to John 10.10 10, where Jesus said, I come that you might have life and that you would have it more abundantly. So there's something greater, fuller, uh, more complete, more whole uh, that the Christian is to enter into. So when we come to Christ initially, we have the life of God. But there is greater life that we are to come into as we walk on that path with Jesus Christ. So when he says here that you would eat of the tree of life, you cannot eat of the tree of life for certain things unless you overcome. Overcoming will bring about this certain result that you will be able to eat of the tree of life and you'll be able to feed on things that other Christians who have not overcome will not be able to partake of. Chapter 2, verse 11. This is to the church at Smyrna. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, what is the second death? Let's just look in the Scriptures. Revelation 20. Hold your place there. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Now, what's the first resurrection? See, not the resurrection of Christ, but whenever you and I are resurrected, after we pass off this scene, the first resurrection is the resurrection of those that have died. So that's the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they, sh they shall be priests, and so on. Verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So he's talking about a period of judgment, a period of uh, consummation where you have the lake of fire being uh, the end result of certain people's lives. That's where they, they will end up. So that's, he's talking about the second death. That's what he's talking about. Chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So going back now to Revelation 2.11, Jesus is saying that if they overcome whatever it was there that was before the church... Uh, that could have been as a whole body and or it could be them, each of them personally, whatever it was that they were to overcome, that Jesus said if they overcome, whatever that may be, that the second death will have no power over them. Okay, In chapter 2, verse 17, another result of overcoming. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone. So, you are, as a Christian today, we are to be eating of hidden manna. You realize that. There are things that are hidden in the Gospels. There are, are things hidden as far as the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are many who do not discover the things in God. There are those, of course, we know the world has no part in that. They, they can't partake of that. They don't understand it. They can't feed on the hidden manna. The Israelites fed on the, the physical manna, but they didn't feed on the hidden manna because of their heart condition and how they related to God and where they walked. They walked in the carnal way. And so he says here that if you overcome, I will let you or give you to eat of the hidden manna. See, so as we walk as Christians today, walking with Him, moving along the line of the Spirit of God in our life, what He's directing, we will have hidden manna that the Lord will bring and, and feed us. We will begin to eat that in spirit even now. So whatever it is that he's talking about in their lives, once again, they will be able to partake of that only if they overcome. If they don't overcome, they will not eat of the hidden manna, and he will not give them this white stone. That is related to overcoming. Okay? Now, verse 26, the church at Thyatira. Now, the... the um, the first three verses that we read, if you will have noticed while we were reading them, in the same verse, you saw overcoming, and he that hath an ear, let him hear. In those, that's the three places in Revelation where they're mentioned in the same verse. In the other mentions there, they are mentioned within a couple verses, but they're still there together. Verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. So, when he talks about power over, over the nations, he's talking about authority. So that when a person overcomes, they will be moved into some type of authority. You see that with Jesus. Why is Jesus Christ have all authority and all power because he has overcome everything and everyone. He overcome everything. There was nothing left, nothing defeated Jesus. And, and with, that brought, he, with that overcoming brought power or authority into his life so that any person who overcomes and continues to overcome in their life, the, the Lord is saying that He will give them power or authority. I didn't check it. That's probably the word dunamis. Authority over the nations, or He's going to give them authority to rule, to reign. Not all Christians will rule and reign. They will not have the authority because they did not overcome in their life. It's all tied together here. There are those that teach 
and I hear it occasionally, that all you need to do is be born again, birth from above, and be a Christian, and you become a king and a priest with Christ, and you will rule and reign with Him. Now, that's, we're not talking about heaven here. The Christian will go to heaven. But ruling and reigning with power and authority, and he goes on and mentions some other things that we're going to look at in a minute, they do not come by any other means but overcoming. That's how important it is that we overcome as Christians. Okay, verse 5 of chapter 3. This is to the church at Sardis. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. So, and we might look at this later, but I'll just touch on this now. The white raiment there is referring to uh, the wedding garment, it's, it's referring to the preparation of the bride of Christ, it's re- referring to being ready. So there, there is this, in the scripture, thought that the Christian is to be ready for Christ when he comes back, but also be ready for the marriage. So the white clothing or the white raiment is given here, to those who overcome. It doesn't just say anyone. It says to those who overcome. Now, it, that can mean anyone, but more specifically, to those who overcome. Anyone who overcomes. Okay, chapter 3, verse 12. This is uh, to the church at Philadelphia. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out... And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. So that in this verse, he says here that he's going to make, make those who overcome a, te- a, a pillar in the temple of his God. And he's going to write upon them the name of the city. And we'll look at that city when we get to Revelation 21. So this is quite a promise here. And this will entail not just overcoming one or two things. This entails much, much more than that. Okay, chapter 3, verse 21. Now this is quite a promise. To him that overcome will I grant to sit with me in my Father's throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. So when Jesus makes this, this is an invitation to sit in the throne. And, and it doesn't mean you're going to be sitting next to him or on his lap or anything like that. You, are, you would be sitting in that throne vicinity. And to do that will take more than we realize. But it is possible that we can push forward in our lives here today, the amount of time we have left, and possibly come into certain things. And we'll talk about this also when we get into the next chapter, because the throne and sitting upon the throne, the overcoming he's talking about relates to the spirits before the throne. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll look at that later. 
And when you start to get a vision of what the spirits are before the throne, and you start to see that, then you see how much you might have to overcome in your lifetime to acquire certain things. But remember, the Lord is faithful, and He's faithful to you. And He will move in your life, and He will help you if you desire to overcome. If you desire to walk faithfully with God, then He will come and help you. He will undergird you, and He will take you in a place and in a way that you thought you could not walk. But see, you have to be willing, and you have to move forward and say, I will not be moved or deterred from the path. I will overcome regardless of, of what the cost, and even if it costs me my life, I will overcome. Wow. That's how determined we should be. People are determined. You know, people in the world have determination. If they want to do something, they are so determined they will do it. They'll do whatever they need to do to get to the football game or playoff game. They'll drive halfway across the country, go through five foot of snow, go without food, no matter what it takes, i got to see my team in the Super Bowl. See, so people in the world have determination for what they want and what they desire. Why can't Christians be determined to follow Jesus and walk with Him, and if you have to go through something, so what? So what? Your life's going to be gone soon enough anyway. Then what? Will you have something of eternal value to take with you? Well, some Christians won't. Some will. How determined are we? Well, hopefully, we can be dedicated like the Bible teaches. The love of God. You hear about the love of God, all this love this and love that and all, all this other stuff. But what does that mean? The best word to describe it is dedication. If you love me, if you're dedicated to me, Jesus says, keep my commandments. Okay. I want to love you, Lord. I'll say, I love you, I love you ten times. That's not what he's looking for. He isn't looking for how many times you say, I love you, Lord. He's looking for, are you dedicated to him, to his will, his way? Are you walking with him? See, that, that's how you tell the Lord, I love you, without saying a word. So he says here in verse 21, that they would sit with me in my throne if they overcome. Now, he doesn't say in any of these scriptures what they are to overcome. See, the results, we looked at the results of overcoming, and they vary here from pastor to pastor and church to church. So it wouldn't be limited to a specific, one specific thing that they would overcome, but that there would be a result of overcoming. See, there will be a result in your life and my life of my or your overcoming. There's always a result to that. We don't see it, but there is. Jesus doesn't say to each church they must overcome a specific thing. None of that. Why? Because it's different. What one church had to overcome, there was something else that the other church had to deal with. Now, they all probably had to deal with persecution. They probably, some of them had to deal with a money issue, but some didn't. 
So there was different things they had to overcome as a church and individually. Now, the word overcome, you know, we all probably know this, but I'll, I'll say this anyway. Some of the meanings to the word. To be a victor, to defeat, to win the victory over. See, there is to be, in my life and your life, a prevailing. We are to win the victory over. Over what? Well, you won't have to look too far to find out what you'll need to overcome. Because you'll find out that in your life personally, there is something for you to overcome. So you had to overcome, this, just on a small, small, small scale, you had to overcome something to get here tonight. Look at the roads. We're not even on electric, we're on generator power. So we have to overcome, the, the place was cold when we came here. It's just some, that's a minor thing. But you personally in your life have things that you will have to overcome. Now you can either do one or two things. You could say, okay, Lord, help me and I will do my very best. Or you can just slough it off and say, yeah, I don't worry about it. I'll, I'll take the easy way out. But you know what? The Lord is so faithful, sometimes he doesn't give us an easy way out. Sometimes he gives us no way out. There, w there will be no way out of your circumstance, your situation, because he wants you to overcome so that he can give you certain things. And then once you overcome, in your circumstances, it changes it anyway, even though you're in the same circumstance, it just changes it. It's just really odd how these things work. You can be in the same situation at one point, with a heart that is rebellious to God and kind of, you know, saying, well, you know, God, who do you think you are? And then he can change you and you can overcome in that situation and then your whole mode of operation and your whole attitude changes and you're in the same situation, but it's not affecting you the way it did before. It's not doing what it did before in here because of the change within you. So the Lord, he is good. So what is it that must be overcome? We're going to start with this. What is it? Well, I looked through the scriptures, and the scriptures do give us an idea of some of the things that we will have to overcome. And some of them we know, and then we'll just continue on down from there. Romans 12. There are scriptures in the Bible that never mention the word overcome or overcoming. But yet, in those scriptures, if you examine them and you can see, you will find out that in order to acquire what Jesus is talking about or what the Apostle is saying, you will have to overcome something. Something's going to have to uh, change as far as where you are. You're going to have to overcome to come into that. So just because the verse doesn't say or use that word does not mean that it's not related to overcoming. Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. 
So you have in the world evil in all its various forms. And you and I are affected by the evil in the world. The evil that is in the world will reach out to the Christian to draw them back into the world. It will influence you to try to get you to move aside from the highway of holiness. The evil that is in the world will reach out to try to get you to stop overcoming and to succumb to that evil. Now, the evil can be manifested or brought to us in many different ways. By the world system alone, yes, because uh, the world system is based upon sin. Uh, evil can come to you and I through the channel of people, governments and people. People are probably used more in this than any other method. So you get around certain people and their influence can influence you. Their influence toward evil can influence you to have your heart turned from the Lord just a little bit. You might not go back into the world. You might not get into gross sin or immorality. But what can happen is your heart begins to shift aside a little, and now your heart is looking towards something else, and you don't see the Lord the way you once do. And because you don't see the Lord the way you once did, you begin to move in a different way, you see things different, you think different, and so on. And now the evil that's in the world has affected you. But Jesus says, you must overcome the evil. The Bible says that the whole world lieth, that is a position, 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 lieth in wickedness. People are not trying to get out of wickedness. They have made their bed there. That's where they dwell and live and rest. The whole world lies in wickedness. So the world system will bring about this evil and will bring that out toward the Christian. And we, we have decisions to make. You know, somebody comes over to you and they may get, you know, corner you like somebody cornered me last week. And then, you know, there they are, tell me this joke. And I just didn't hear them. They're waiting for, they're, they're laughing, I'm just staring at them. Well, I'm not partaking of that. And people will do that, stuff like that all the time. They, they will take their filth and their sin, and they will throw up on you, spiritually. And there, you know, you don't want to get it on you, you just... If you stay in God, that doesn't get on you. It just falls to the ground. But if you start to partake of that, then when they throw up that, you know, that evil, you know what I'm talking about, then it gets on you. Then when you come to church, the Lord has to clean you up. He has to take that off. He has to wash that off of you. So there is to be an overcoming as far as we are concerned, related to the evil in the world and how that comes to you. And, you know, it can come, as I said before, in many different ways, many different forms. It can come as a thought in your mind. 
the enemy putting a thought in our minds, and then we dwell on that thought. It's an, something evil, and then we dwell on it, and before you know, you know something is, is going on with us there. So we are to overcome these things. We are to look to the Lord and walk with Him and desire that He would give us of His strength to walk in this way. We do not have the strength to walk as Christians. We need the Lord. It's not about us. It's not our power. It's not our grace. It's not how we desire and and determine to walk, although that may be good. It is the Lord and His strength and His hand outstretched to us that will cause us to be able to walk in the way and, and walk there faithfully with Him. So that's one area that we are to overcome in, in evil. Turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world... And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Now in this verse here, it talks about overcoming the world. This should, this should be related to the, the, the evil also. It talks about overcoming the world. The word world there, we know this, this is a Greek word, it's cosmos. Now it's not talking about the planet, the, the globe. But the arrangement that is brought about by sin, which is the world system. See, the world system is brought about by sin. John here is talking about the cosmos, not as we think of the English word, the cosmos, you know, space. But the word cosmos means world. That's the Greek meaning of of the word. Not the physical world but the world system, that which was set up and brought about by sinful man, that which was constructed through the means of sin in men's hearts. And, and that's not too... I mean, you can see that. It's not hard to see. You can see it in, in governments. Governments, they're, they're, they're full of corruption and sin. Well, that's part of the world system. The governments were brought about not by God. What government was brought about by God? See, even in, in Israel, at one point, there was a um, theocracy where God controlled the, the country, and they were very successful. But for the most part, governments now are evil, and they are, and I don't mean that everything and everyone is evil, but I'm saying their view, what they want to accomplish how they oppress people, all that comes from sin in man, and that sin is there, uh, is the influence of the devil upon their heart. And then that comes out through the world system. So John says, And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, it's not talking about salvation. It's talking about walking an overcoming life here in this world because you believe in Jesus Christ. 
Not just saying, I believe I'm a Christian. But believe, he that believeth, he's the one that overcomes the world. See, if you, if you say you believe, then that means you overcome in, in this scripture. If you don't overcome, you're not believing as John is saying here. Let's read that latter part again. Who is he that overcometh the world, but, or you can say he is the one that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. You see that? You're still with me? Okay. John, stay in 1 John. I'll read, uh, you go to chapter 2. I'll read John 16, 33. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Who can tell me what the word tribulation means most of the time in the scriptures? Trouble's a good one, yeah. Pressure. If you get to Strong's, it'll say pressure. In the world you shall have pressure. Isn't that the truth? It's always one thing or another, isn't it? Pressure from this, pressure from that, pressure from this person, pressure from that, that time, uh, whatever. You've got to be here, do it. There's always some kind of pressure. Uh, but I think that, that he's talking mostly about pressure that comes upon the Christian because of the world system. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, be happy, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. Okay, 1 John 2. So you can see in, in the verse I just read that overcoming tribulation here uh, is a direct result of overcoming the world system. Uh, 1 John 2.14. So now, now we're moving on to the second thing in the scriptures that we must, that it's showing us in the Bible we must overcome. And it's seen in verse 14. I have written unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. So he says here that they had overcome the wicked one, the young men. That is another area of overcoming that the Christian will have to deal with and will have to overcome. And the means by which we will overcome will be what? What's the means in that verse by which we will have to overcome? What is giving them what they need here to overcome the wicked one. The word of God abides in you. In you. The word of God. So that means that you and I need to have the word of God. We need the Lord to put his word in us. And then it abides in us. And that will give us what we need to overcome the wicked one. So I, you say, oh, this, this is going on in my life, and you know the, the devil's after me. And you ever hear somebody say that? The devil's after me for this and that. Well, all you need to do is pay attention to the Lord, and don't worry about the devil. Pay attention to him and see if he does not bring his word in some way, shape, or form to you. Be it in a message at church, be it as you, you are sitting and reading the word, hearing something, the Word of God comes, and then it abides in you. You take that into you, and it's in your heart and life, and now you have the means, because the Word of God is abiding in you, to overcome the wicked one. So you can't overcome the wicked one by yourself. 
and you just saying in the name of Jesus doesn't do it. See, it, it, when you use the name of Jesus, that is related to character in the Christian. That's what gives the name of Jesus the power against the enemy. Not just the name of Jesus. Anybody on the street can use the name of Jesus. See, but if you walk with him and you have the character of Christ that is beginning to be built in you, now the name of Jesus means something as far as you're concerned related to you because it's just not a word. It's related now to the character there that's coming out. And so there you have what you need to overcome. But, but just using the name of Jesus is, alone is not it. That's not what that's talking about in the scriptures. So the word of God abiding in you is what is key. Because that will help you, give you all that you need to overcome. It doesn't matter what the enemy brings at you then. See, because the word of God is abiding in you. And that word will overcome. It just takes you along with it. <laughs> it's in you. Okay, well, we'll take you along. And there you go. You go along for the ride because the word of God abides for you. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not. Why? Because it's in your heart. It's not going to pass away. It's there. The book, the Bible, will pass away. But the word of God that's in the heart will not pass away. And that will be, for us now and here, the means for us to overcome. One of them, anyway. Okay. So that's two things. The, the, the evil is one thing we have to overcome. The wicked one we have to overcome. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Now, we have talked about this before, especially in James' class. Who can quote um, James 1, 1, 3 for me? <laughs> Nobody. Okay. We'll go and read it. Do you remember it? Trying of your faith, worketh patience. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, or the testing of your faith. You know this. We have temptations, don't we? We have tests. Temptation, you know, comes from the enemy. The test comes from God. They can be of one, the same exact circumstance. You can have both things going on at the same time. The enemy's tempting you. God's testing you. We will have to pass the test, whatever that may be, and we will have to endure temptation or temptations, whatever they may be. In order for us to continue on, those are things we must overcome in. There will be various temptations. Remember when you first became a Christian, what was you know, your temptation back then? Well, to go back into the world, maybe. There were various temptations then. You know, God may have been testing you. Today, your temptation may be something different. The test for you may be something different. I'm sure it's different. Sure it's different. So we will have to overcome in the various circumstances that we find ourselves in. And when a temptation comes, 
to do what is wrong or do what is evil. Now we can overcome that. See, we have to decide and say, Lord, I want to walk with you and serve you. And I want to walk away from the temptation. For there is no temptation that has come upon you, the Bible says, but such is common or moderate to man. But with the temptation, God will give you a way of escape that you may bear it. So God has everything under control. All he needs is us. All he needs is for us to say, I will not succumb to the temptation. I will not allow myself to be drawn into that sin. And if we make up our minds, we can be determined to walk with him and not go into sin. So there will be in your life as a Christian various times that you will be tempted. And as you grow in the Lord, I guarantee you that temptations will change. They will be different. My temptation sometimes is to just say, forget about teaching. I don't want to teach anymore. I don't want to spend eight or ten hours a week. It used to be a lot more than that. I don't want to spend three hours of my time tonight study. I don't want to do this or that. Let somebody else do it, and I'll sit in the pew. See, for me, that's my temptation. Well, I have to overcome that. If I am going to get what Jesus wants to give me in my lifetime, I have to overcome what I want to do or may want to do or think I should want to do. How many times, don't, tell, don't talk out when I ask this question, <laughs> how many times have you decided, said, well, Lord, that's it, I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. Forget about going to church. I've had it. This is just too much. It's just too much, Lord. <laughs> well, we're all made of the same stuff, you know. We're all, we all will be faced with that temptation. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I could do all kinds of other things. I have other things to do. Can't they ever say anything nice? <laughs> well, this is nice. This is as nice as it gets. You overcome, you're going to get all these things that maybe millions of other people who haven't overcome aren't going to get. Wow, that's pretty good, I think. The way do you see what it is the Lord wants? It's like I, I look at this and say, Lord, <laughs> I don't even feel worthy to teach some of this stuff. But... Somehow, some way, help all of us, all of us, and bring us along as far as you can. And, you know, when we leave this life, whatever we have, we have. And we'll be thankful for the Lord for what he's done. But this is good stuff. It really is. Okay, now, in Hebrews 3, verse 8, let's go back to verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice. So he's talking once again about hearing. Now remember, as I said, in Revelation you see the word hear and overcome. Very, it's very closely related. Now I didn't do a, uh, a study on this. I probably should have. I have a program at home, at home that's really interesting. That you can, you can take two words 
And then you can see throughout the whole Bible where they're mentioned together, even within a one or two or five or six verse range. You can set it up and it'll pick those up. Not just the same verse, but maybe in a ten verse. You can set it for whatever you want. And I should have done that with this and probably, I probably would have found a lot of other scriptures. But in this here it says, Today, if you will hear his voice. Christian, today, if you and I will hear his voice. Then he goes on, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation. You hear that? See that word? Temptation. In the wilderness. So, so they were, the Israelites were tempted in the wilderness to go their own way, to do their own thing, and they followed their own desires. And they hardened their heart. The temptation that every single Christian will have to deal with is the temptation to harden their hearts toward the Lord or to harden their hearts toward the Word of, of God. That's why he says here, today, if you will hear my voice, if you will hear my word, harden not your heart. See, the temptation for us to harden our heart will be there all of our life. There are always, it seems, that something comes up that tests your heart to see how hard or soft it is. Chapter 4. Now, what determines, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, what determines whether your heart is hard or soft? God, our response to Him, our response to His Word. So that when... His word comes, there's, see, there's always a response, always, 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 with every person that's ever been alive. When the word of God comes, we can choose to respond favorably to that. And when we choose to respond favor, favorably to that, then our hearts become a little bit softer. If we decide not to, to respond favorably to the Word of God, then our hearts become harder. Why do you think in Mark chapter 4 you have all the various soil conditions? Because the response to the Word changed from individual to individual. So that when you have a group of people, you have varying degrees of softness, or hardness, however you want to say, of heart. And so the Lord brings His Word, and the Word is to cause your heart to be softened. But remember that usually the Word is not so easily received by us because a lot of times it's something we don't want to hear about ourselves or whatever. And so even though the Word is sent forth to soften your heart, we can have a hard time dealing with it because we don't want to receive certain things. So what we need to do is to surrender to him and bring our hearts down lower and just agree and say, yes, Lord. Because when we do that, our heart becomes softer rather than our heart becoming harder. People in the world hear the gospel. And you know how they respond sometimes. I hear it occasionally. 
it's always a negative thing. It's always some, I, some guy said something to me a couple weeks ago about the Lord. And it wasn't very nice. So that's their view of the gospel. And when the word of God, any of it, comes to their ears, they reject that. And when they reject that, their heart becomes a little harder. Hebrews 4. Now we're still talking about overcoming the temptation or the test. Now, when the word of God, just to finish this, when the word of God comes to you, when you hear it, and if it's something that isn't pleasant, for example, let's just say you're sitting in church and you hear this message related to your attitude. And the Lord's showing you that your attitude isn't quite right. Well, now you have the, the, um, the opportunity to overcome. See, because the Word of God now is, is coming to you and it's, it's getting personal. You know, the Word of God gets personal. Now you can overcome, and what you will have to overcome is your heart that doesn't want to receive that. So you said as you, as you do receive it, you overcome and you place yourself in a position again to receive certain things. So even the word of God coming to you, you know, you have to overcome many times. Okay, verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now, why is Jesus able to be touched with all of the infirmities of man. Why? Well, look at it. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus here was tempted and he overcame. And when he overcame, he did not go into any sin. And because of that, he can be touched with all the feelings of man's infirmities. So as you overcome, the, whatever temptation is there, the Lord will put in you a, a portion of that where you will be able to be touched with the feelings of others' infirmities. You'll be able to, you know, have a desire to help them. We went uh, Sunday up the hill here. There was hundreds of homes that had no power. So we went to this one fellow's house and we knocked on the door, and he came out, and this guy was covered. His, his head, his neck, his, he had short sleeves. His arms were all covered with this skin disease. And so he's telling us about he caught some type of skin disease, and they can't get rid of it. And it's, it's been spreading all over his body. And he said, it's a very, very rare skin disease. And I'm standing there listening to this guy. And, I mean, I don't know him from anyone. And, and so we talked to him for a few minutes, invited him to come down and get warm in the church here. And I said, listen, I said, this may seem a little odd for you. I said, but can I pray with you right here, right now for your skin condition? And, I mean, I felt for the guy. And so I, I laid my hands on him and, and we prayed for him. So the Lord can, can have that in you. And, and I think that you women have a greater capacity for that naturally than men do. 
So just throw that out there because it seems that women are more compassionate than men are as a general rule. So, so that's an area the Lord may want to develop more in your life. So here he is. He's tempted in all points as we are without sin. He overcomes and he's able to be touched with the feeling of anyone and everyone's infirmities. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. I, I quoted this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common or moderate to man, but God is faithful. I, I left that part out. I'm a bad boy. <laughs> Remember, God is faithful. Okay. Who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. Romans 8, 8. Okay, so there, the scriptures teach also that we are to overcome the flesh. And that is throughout the entire New Testament, spattered here and there in various different scriptures and in different ways that they say it. But in Romans 8, 8, so then they that are of the flesh cannot please God. So we always will have, because we were born with a sinful nature, we'll have this heart that will want to gravitate toward sin and toward the world. And hopefully, as we continue to walk with God, that that becomes less, I believe, that that is the way it's to be. To, that, to, 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 your heart will not gravitate towards sin. That will be less and less and less <clears throat> the further you go on and the closer you move on to God, your heart will, will have that draw less and less. So a younger Christian may have that to a greater degree. And if a person is a, an individual who is a double-minded man like we studied in James, where they vacillate. You know, they, they, they're, they're walking with God for a year, then they go their way. They're walking for a month, then they go another way. They walk for five weeks again, and there are Christians that do that. See, that will not help a Christian in this area. They will not obtain certain things because they have not been consistent and faithful. See, you, if you vacillate, you will be more prone to going toward the world. Whereas a Christian that walks with him is faithful and continues on and, and moves and moves year after year after year, walking in the Spirit, they will have less of a draw toward the world as they go on. And that's nice. That's nice. Not, not to say they, they aren't tempted. The temptations get stronger. But their heart wants God. Their heart hungers for Him. And they continue with Him. So the flesh is something we'll have to deal with. Um, Galatians 5.17. I'll just read this. For the sinful natural desires... Wait a minute. For the sinful natural... Shit, wait a second. Third time. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Did you hear that? Your sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit 
what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. That's um, Galatians 5.17. You will have to overcome any desire that you would have that is contrary to the Lord's desire. You will have to overcome any desire that is contrary to the will of God for your life. See, nobody can overcome them but you personally. I can't overcome for you. You can't overcome for me. Each individual has to overcome what is, is there in front of them. Whatever it is they may desire. You ever just have this thing like, you know, this is what I want to do. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's get on a plane and go. <laughs> or however you get in a car and leave, go. Well, see, that's a desire. A desire can be anything, you know. It doesn't matter what it is. But we have to, to, to recognize what it is, see it for what it is, and realize that we're to overcome that. We're going to have to overcome our own will, what we may want to do. And say, like Jesus said, if you want to be like Jesus, you want to be like Jesus? Do we want to be like Jesus? Not my will, but thine be done. Etch that in your mind. Not my will, but thine be done. So that means that we are going to have to overcome in that area. See, to pray that prayer and for that to come, for, for that to be a statement that comes out of us. See, we're going to have to overcome. No two ways about it. We're going to have to overcome our lack of faithfulness. If we're not faithful to God, we're going to have to overcome that. If, if we're lazy, there are lazy Christians, you're going to have to overcome your laziness. If you have a desire not to serve the Lord, do you know there are Christians that walk and they get this desire that, well, you know, I'm not too sure I want to serve the Lord. I mean, I can understand. But see, you have to overcome that. You have to fight that. You can't succumb to that type of thinking. That will ruin you as a Christian. And you're going to have to overcome your inclination to be worldly. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and one of the first things he says in chapter 2 or 3, he says, you are babes, you are carnal. I could not speak to you as full-grown, but because you are carnal, worldly. Carnal's worldly. Christians can be worldly. We have to fight the tendency to think like the world, to do things like the world, to act like the world, to have an attitude like the world. All those different things that come upon us as Christians, we must overcome them. And the Lord will equip you to do that, and I believe he has. You need to desire to overcome and take steps in that direction. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you don't know what to do, start with reading the Bible consistently. Going to church consistently, faithfully. See, you cannot overcome sin, you cannot overcome temptation 
by yourself. Why do you think the Lord said, forsake not the assembling yourselves together? And much more so when you see the day approach. Why? Because that being assembled with other Christians, you will get things in spirit. You will receive things from the Lord in church, in the group, that will help you to overcome temptation and so on. But if you don't ever go to church, or you go whenever you feel like going to church, then you open yourself to to failure. And that's what happens with many, many people. You don't have to fail. You hear me? You do not have to fail. God has given you all that you need to walk a successful Christian walk. You don't need to fail. And you don't need to let other people tell you you're a failure. And you don't need to let other people say, whatever, I'm going to make you fail. Don't let them make you fail. You overcome because you can. So we'll have to overcome a lot of different things. I don't know what it'll be for you or for me. You're going to have to overcome your current circumstance, whatever that may be. You're going to have to overcome difficulty, whatever that may be. You're going to have to overcome affliction, whatever affliction may come upon you at various times. You are going to have to overcome suffering. We'll all have to deal with some type of suffering in our life. You have to overcome in that. The glory will be a result... Just turn Romans 8.17 real quick. Glory is the result of overcoming, by the way. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, okay? If you can overcome and you can go through the suffering with the right attitude and whatever it is, that we may also be glorified together. So the glory of God is related to the overcoming also. Okay, now, turn back to Revelation. As I said earlier, hearing is associated with overcoming. You can see that in chapter 2, verse 7. We looked at that verse. The three verses that we looked at, the words were used together. Uh, He begins with, the church in Ephesus in 2.11. And he uses the word hear, and he uses the word overcome. And when you go down to the very end, dealing with all the churches, the Laodicean church, in chapter 3, verse 22, he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. And right before that, a couple verses, he, he says, overcome. Now, he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear. My question is, did the people in those church, churches have ears? It's kind of a funny question, huh? Did they have ears? Well, you're supposed to say, what kind of ears are you talking about? <laughs> well, they all had physical ears, but they didn't all have spiritual ears. See, many Christians sit in churches, and they're sitting there without ears. See, they're, they're, they're all, make sure all their hair's combed, and they're all, you know, gussied up. I don't know what kind of words that, you know. They're all, you know, whatever. <laughs> but they're all fixed up. And they're, they're sit- they don't realize they're sitting there without ears. In spirit, there are a lot of people 
that don't have ears. That is why Jesus keeps on saying this over and over and over again. To get this, to understand in your spirit what's going on here in Revelation. The dealings with the churches, and then when we move on to the throne room and some of these other things. To get these, you have to have ears to hear. To see what he's saying to the churches and how that may apply to you and I personally will take spiritual ears. Now, we're all born physically with ears. But in spirit, when we're born again, we have the beginnings of the formation of that. But it takes a development over a period of time to really be able to hear. And once again, this receiving comes into play, and I think we're going to get to that in a little bit here. But anyway, whosoever has an ear to hear. Now the word hear, some meanings here. To perceive by hearing. Or I like this, it says to get by hearing. See, there are certain things that you will get by hearing. To have the faculty of hearing in contrast to being deaf, to be able to hear. Now, this is the meaning that I like. To believe something and to respond to it on the basis of uh, having, having heard, having he- or having hearing, to accept. So, believing something and to respond to that on the basis of hearing. So getting back to what we said before, you hear the Word of God. You hear it with your physical ears. The Word of God has great power and authority, and it has this characteristic where it can cut down into your soul and spirit. See, that is, that's what... That's what gives it the, or that what's, that's what gives you the ability, how can I say this? That is how you will develop, this is a better way to say it, a hearing because of the action of that word slicing down through your soul and spirit. That will bring a response there. Okay, now you know something happened. You ever sit there and like, whoo, the word comes in. Like it hits you. Like you were hit with something. Right in there. Now it's got your attention. Now to respond to that and believe that will bring about hearing. Will bring about hearing in you. So if you want to develop your hearing as a Christian, you need to respond to the Word of God. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, you and I are a partaker of the heavenly calling, you know, when you responded. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him. He's talking about faithful to the Father. As also, he's making the comparison, Moses was faithful in all his house. 
uh, or Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. For this man was counted worthy of much more glory than Moses, talking about Jesus, inasmuch as he who builded the house hath more honor than the house. What's the house he's talking about? What house? For every house is built by some man. Remember that verse. Every house is built by somebody. But he that buildeth all things is God. And Moses was verily faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? So the house he's talking about is us. He says, every house is built by someone. See, so your house, you, is built, you are being built up by someone. It's either by the Lord or by the enemy of your soul via the world system. Now he says here, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence. See, you and I need to hold fast the confidence um, or the assurance that the Lord can do in my life and your life what He says He can do. Because He's faithful. He can develop you. He can give you hearing. Do you have confidence in Him for that? Wherefore, verse 7, As the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if, the word if, Ian, the Greek, Ian, that's a conditional word. Conditional word. If ye will hear his voice, that phrase, ye will hear, is a Greek, one Greek word. It is a subjunctive mood verb. That means it, it's conditional. It means that it is, is in the realm of possibility. It's not a sure thing. So it is possible for you to hear. How is it, or how does it become possible for you to hear? First of all, you are not to harden your heart when the Word of God comes. First, the Word of God is going to come. Secondly, do not harden your heart. When that occurs, then you will hear what the Holy Ghost saith. I can't make it any clearer than that. So the possibility of hearing, see, that resides within the individual because they're the ones that determine whether they are going to harden their heart or soften their heart. So all this stuff that Jesus is talking about to the churches, about overcoming and hearing, depends upon the individual. Jesus has done all he can do for you. He's gone to the cross, he's overcome, he, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, he sent the Spirit of God back to earth for you. He's done it all for you. Now you have the burden of responsibility to overcome and to hear his voice, to hear his word. Now all are capable of hearing or Say it this way, all are capable of responding to the gospel. Every single person that's ever been born can respond 
to the gospel of the Lord. They're all capable of that. But what determines where they end up or what determines what they actually become will be their choices. Choices will determine the heart condition of the heart. So if I choose not to, li- to listen or to obey the word that God's bringing to me personally, when I don't respond to that, my heart becomes hard. It becomes harder than it was yesterday or five minutes ago. A very subtle thing. In Mark 4, it talks about uh, the, the stony soil, the thorny soil. What's the other one? Stony, thorny, the wayside. And it talks about the good soil. Now, the Lord doesn't just say, okay, now I'm creating you, and I'm going to create you with hard soil. And I'm going to create the other person here, and their soil is going to be soft. So when the gospel comes forth, you're never going to receive it. They will. Now, the Lord knows who's going to receive it and who's not. But, you know, that's beside the point. Whenever the gospel or the word comes, the individual... He or she makes a choice, a decision. When I heard the true gospel for the first time, I had a decision to make. And I was confronted, and the individual said to me, Would you like to receive Jesus Christ? And my decision was, I got nothing against the guy. <laughs> that's what I said. I was, you know, I was way out there. But that's what I said. And I didn't really realize that I was making a choice for him. And whenever I did that, my heart became a little softer than it did than it was before I made that choice. So that we can determine our soil condition by whether we respond to the word of God that he's bringing to you personally or whether we do not. When we respond favorably, our hearing becomes better. This is all linked together. I'm trying to bring that all together for you. Now, I'll quote a couple of scriptures. Galatians 3, 2. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. How did you receive the Spirit of God, he's saying? By works or by faith? No, you receive the Spirit by faith. Okay? Faith cometh by what? Hearing, follow me, and hearing by what? The Word of God. That's uh, Romans 10 17. Faith cometh by hearing, or you can say it this way faith comes by hearing and responding to the Word of God. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You see that? So those two verses, that's 1 John 5, 4. Those two verses there bring something together for you related to faith, the Word of God, hearing, and overcoming. Just in those two verses. That's uh, Romans 10, 17, 1 John 5, 4. See? 
so, so the picture here that Jesus is trying to portray is that the churches need to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to them. Because the word that's coming to them has the power to bring about a response, to bring about hearing, and bring about an overcoming in the individual. That is why it is so important to hear what the Spirit is saying. Very important. Now, in closing, let's go to Revelation 21. Now, as I said before, when you study each of the churches in Revelation here, you will see that Jesus never says what they are to overcome. or He doesn't give you a list that, okay, the church in Sardis has to overcome this, 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 and this. Uh, the pastor in Smyrna has to overcome this, this, this. And Philadelphia has to overcome the... He doesn't say that. Because what you have to overcome will be different than other people. There are some general things that we looked at that all of us will have to overcome. But then you have things that are, are specific to you, maybe personal to you in your life because of your circumstance, because your circumstances are different than somebody else's. So you will have this area here. You will be in this arena of circumstances for your benefit, for your overcoming. Now, we looked at all the different results that he lists there for each church. You know, I'll give to eat of the tree of life, uh, to sit with me in my throne. I will give him a white stone, and so on. All those different things. Now, this verse here in Revelation 21 kind of gives you an idea, for me, I see this, of what it is he's talking about. Now, let's, let's look at this. Verse 21. To him that overcometh. Now, this, the beginning part of this verse is the same as we saw in chapter 2 or 3, whatever it was. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with, with me in my throne. Now, here, to overcome and sit with him in his throne, the condition that is placed upon that is what we read next here even as I also have overcome and am sit down with my father in his throne. And that little phrase there, even as, means in that manner or accordingly. Accordingly. So that when you overcome, the result will be according to what you overcome. Let me say that again. What you overcome, the result of that will be according to what you have overcome. So that a person that has overcome a lot of different things in their life will be able to be brought into or they will inherit certain things that others will not. See... To, to be here in the throne, Jesus is saying that you have to overcome even as I also overcame. What did Jesus overcome? He overcome 
an awful lot. So there's going to have to be a lot of overcoming if an individual ever wants to make it to this particular place, even as I have, according to. See, you have to, to overcome, and as, as you overcome, according to that, there will be a certain result that comes out from that based upon you personally, what you have overcome in your life. So the Lord has opened the door, so to speak. It's, it's all there in front of us, all sitting there. Today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, there will always be something to overcome, be it something small or something large or something in between. Now, that's not to say that every minute of your life you have to, you know, there's, there's a circumstance you have to overcome. No. But as you walk on, you will see there will be certain things. And as you walk in the world, there's to be a, a constant overcoming of the evil. It's in the world. I mean, that's just to be there in you. That's just one aspect. But related to you personally, there will be things that you will, you will experience that you and I will have to overcome in if we are going to have certain results. Now, we're going to stop here, and we're going to finish, well, I don't know. We're going to try to finish the rest of the churches next week. Uh, remember, Continue in chapter... Did we read chapter 4 and 5 yet? You guys read 4 and 5? Okay, read, read it again this coming week and the week after. So when we get into chapter 4 and 5, you've already read through that a couple times. Okay, let's stop here. Living water.